Shalom Aleichem to everybody. We've had a little hiatus, little Bain Hazman and hiatus for the last few weeks, and I felt that maybe we should try to grab in at least one Zoom schmooze before the beginning of Elul. And I'm so happy that Josh was able to put it together. Whoever joins us, joins us, and everyone else will get it on the video. We'll get it on the video. So what can we say? You know, it's the last few days of the month of Av. It's uh, hot, hot August days. I don't know what it's like in your neck of the woods, but here in Israel, it's been really beyond understanding how hot it's been. And we've had major fires all around the country. And here in Harnov, just two night, two days ago, we had a major fire right beneath our neighborhood. No one knows if it was started by our terrorists. Was it started by negligence? But um, thank God there haven't been any people that have been harmed. There have been damages, you know, to some property, and it's been really around the country. And we have to be very, very thankful to the um, to the fire department and to the police department throughout the country. You know, um, I myself was supposed to go out to my daughter's house two nights ago. I was supposed to have a family night swim in someone's pool and a barbecue, but the, the one, the Highway 1 was closed for a couple hours, tremendous traffic jams, and I made a cheshman, it just wasn't die to go through the back roads. So the Rabbani Shalom has put uh, stumbling blocks into our, uh, our so-called summer plans. And as Josh just mentioned to me, you know, the numbers of the corona throughout the world, Florida's picking up, and Eretz Yisrael, also they're doing all kinds of uh, procedures. I myself went for my third vaccine today. Israel, they started for the first country to give third jab for citizens over 60. And I've reached that stage by quite a few years already. And I went to Baruch Hashem, I feel good. And it's a shtatlus, you know, do we know what's really works and what doesn't work? We see that really people we have the biggest scientists in the world, biggest doctors, but we're dealing with a with a pan epidemic, which it's hard to believe. A year ago, we was at this time of the year, we were saying, oh, you know, there's going to be a vaccine. We didn't have the vaccine yet. You know what I mean? But the vaccine's coming in. Oh, the vaccine's going to get to it. And we got the vaccine, right? We thought, oh, the vaccine's really the answer to everything. As the, the famous Yiddish statement mentioned, tracht and got lacht. Man thinks, man ponders, and the Rebbe lives. So in the end of the day, we can go around the circle, circle again and again and again. And we have to realize, only one we can rely on is the Rebbe And for sure we have to be mishtadl, if to the shtadlus. But if we think that that's where we should be placing our emuna and bitochen and our prayers and our tefillahs, we have to know that's not the answer. I do want to mention that, you know, I did mention it in the Chumash Shir last week that we ourselves in our own family, we went through a personal family tragedy. I'm sure many of you might have heard about it, but our nephew, Gavriel, Deutschman, Gavriel, Simcha, Ben Shneir Zaman Alevi, unfortunately passed away suddenly young man, and it was a tremendous, tremendous patch. And uh, 
really something which is beyond our comprehension. And we grieve and we mourn and we, we, we're trying our utmost to be mechazik, the family, mechazik ourselves. And we should realize that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, he's the one that's in charge. So everything we say tonight should be Lila Nishmas Gav, Gavriel, who was not only a nephew, was also a Neriak of Talmud, and he was loved by everyone, everyone that got to know him. Really, he was just an outpouring of a good person who, you know, the stories that were saying about him by both the Levayim, by the Shiva, just really just a, a wonderful, wonderful person. Wasn't Talmud Chacham, wasn't the biggest business, business, businessman, but he knew how to make people laugh, how to make people smile. He loved his wife, Rivka, and his daughter, Molly, special needs child, with all of his might, with all of his heart. And we hope and we pray and we dive in the midst of Hashem. Both of them should have siyata d'shmai and should be able to continue to forge forward. And at the same time, you know, there were other tragedies, which I mentioned, you know, three yeshiva boys from the Mir that were traveling into Eastern Europe to go to the Kfarim, killed in a plane accident. And uh, many tragedies throughout the communities, throughout the world. And at the same time, people are trying their utmost to have a vacation and to be on vacation and to, and to, um, and to have a respite from the, 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 you know, the difficulties of running a life, take the kids out, make sure the grandchildren, especially here in Eretz Yisrael, it's like a three week period whereby there's like intense, we try to get the kids out and the grandchildren out and, uh, I went swimming with my grandchildren. We had Baruch Hashem. We had the same time. We had Simchas in the family. A new, hard to believe, a new great granddaughter. Our second great granddaughter was born two days ago to Shlomia and Chana Margolius. Born in Shari Tzedek Hospital. We don't have a name yet of the girl, but Mirz Hashem, we hope and we pray that she's going to grow up to be a uh, Bas. Yisrael and the Bas Talmud Chacham, and uh, we had a granddaughter that became a Kala. So there's simchas, simchas that are going around. I had a, a a bris on last Friday. I don't know if you guys remember Avi Bear, Rabbi Avi Bear, today a big big Rebbe in Imre Bina, and he had a he had a, a his wife gave birth to a baby boy, and he asked me to come to the bris, and I gave the name name Eli Melech, Eli Melech, named after Eli Melech Milizhensk. Because he's a great anical from him. So there were simchas. There were simchas and there are simchas. And that's why we have to go through life. We can't only focus on the tragedies. We have to focus on the good things. HaKadosh Baruch is the one that gives us our dosages of brachas. So some summer thoughts. Summer thoughts about the... I was at a wedding of a, of a, a terrorist Yaakov boy. One of our boys who got married in the gush the other, the other night. And I was sitting next to a very old friend of mine by the name of Yosef Kamenetsky. Yosef Kamenetsky is a grandson of Rabbi Yankif. His father was Rabbi Nassim Kamenetsky, who wrote the famous book, uh, which was called, or an infamous book, which is The Making of a Guttle. None of you guys heard of that book? You guys remember The Making of a Guttle? Anyone remembers The Making of a Guttle? Got put into Cherem a little bit by the, the more um, yeshiva crowd because it kind of like depicted 
the gedolim as being like, um, you know, they had family lives. <laughs> there was a lot of stuff there that people didn't necessarily think was in the highest regard. But I personally found it, even though it was a tedious book, but there were a lot of great things in it. Reb Masin himself was a great Talmud Chacham. And his son, Reb Yosef, we were sharing stories about Reb Yaakov Zetzal. It was interesting. We were talking about how we don't realize these great gedolim that came to America, how much they impacted on the Jewish world. Today we hear about Reb Yaakov Kamenetsky, if you haven't heard of him, one of the great leaders of the Jewish people in America together with Reb Moshe Zetzal and Reb Aaron Zetzal. And they were all uh, and they were all friends. Many of them learned in Slabotka by the altar. But when Rabbi Yaakov came to America, it was very hard to find a job in Rabbanus. And he was given a job in Seattle, Washington. How did he get the job in Seattle, Washington? There was a Rabbi Walgalanter, related to my brother-in-law, Rabbi Jeff Walgalanter, but a great, I think a great uncle of his, who was the Rav in Seattle, Washington. And his wife at that point needed to get treatments. So he told Rabbi Yaakov, you could take my steller until I come back. And that way, Rabbi Yaakov was able to get a steller in, 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 in Seattle, Washington. He was a rabbi visual. And Rabbi Yaakov was brilliant and everything else. And when Rabbi Wagalant returned with his wife, Rabbi Yaakov stepped down from the position because that's what they made up. And Rabbi Wagalant said that, that was a tremendous accolade to Rabbi Yaakov. Because many other Rabbanim, they would have fought the situation and said, ah, I know you left already, I'm here, yeah. I don't remember, we made up that condition. Rabbi Yaakov was in Ish Emes. But listen to this. Rabbi Yaakov then was without a job. He had a wife, he had children. What's he going to do? So you heard that there was a steller. What was the steller? In San Francisco. San Francisco. What was the steller in San Francisco? The steller in San Francisco was... The Balkari and the Shul. I think he got paid like $4 a week. You know what I mean? He could be the Balkari and the Shul. And if Yaakov went for the Shabbos Parshish Chiruma, his grandson told me, and he leaned. And the president of the Shul was a shtickle, like a, he learned in yeshivas when he was younger, and he had high regard for, for um, Yaakov. But he ended up getting sick right before Shabbos. He wasn't there for Shabbos. And the rest of the Balabatim and the Shul, they were Amaratsin, they weren't learned people. They heard him being a Balkari. They didn't realize he was a great Tamil Chacham. And on Sunday, he said, listen, we don't think we really need a Balkari. You know, four bucks, four bucks a week. You know, that's, you know, like uh, $16 a month. We don't want to have to spend 200 bucks a year on another person. Another person we got to feed. So they, they stripped him of his position. He wasn't able to get that position. So the truth is, you might have thought that what? That was a terrible calamity. But the truth is, it ended up being the best thing in the world. Because eventually, without going to all the whole history of Rabbi Yaakov, Rabbi Yaakov ended up becoming a shiva in Tervidas, And the world changed because of that. If Rabbi Yaakov would have remained in, in San Francisco as a Balkore, can you imagine what would have been lost to the American jury? Now, it could be he would have found himself in Tervidas in some other way. Kodesh Baruch can make all the miracles. But we see the way the Rav Hashem runs the world. And I remarked him, I heard that Rav Moshe, Rav Moshe Feinstein, when he came to America, he also came for a position in Cleveland, Ohio. 
and the end of the day, it didn't work out. And Rav Moshe said, I'm willing to be a shamus in a shul, to be a shamus in a shul, but I don't want to have to go back to communist Russia because I want to take care of the chinuch of my children. He was afraid his children would end up being in, in communist Russia. That's why he left. And uh, I'm going to just remind me to tell you the story in a second. And Rav Moshe, eventually we know what Rav Moshe became. Um, I don't know if you guys heard, but Jackie Mason, famous comedic uh, world, passed away a few weeks ago. Now, I don't know if many of you are familiar with the fact that Jackie Mason himself got smicha from Rav Moshe, that's all. Came from a very, very illustrious rabbinic family, the Mazer family. Jackie Mason has a nephew, Rabbi Avi Shulman from Elizabeth. Rabbi Avi is one of my first, first Talmudim going all the way back to my, oh. my beginning careers back in the Neve days. And Rabbi Avi today, Baruch Hashem, I get a lot of nachas from Rashiva and Elizabeth. And he just, they just had a dedication, I think not so long ago, to the base Medrash that they finally finished building. You know, for many, many years, he was together with Rabbi Taitz in the shul over there. But now he has his own place. And I'm very, very proud of him. And you should know that Jackie Mason was Avi Shulman's uncle. His mom and Jackie are brother and sisters. I don't know if you knew that piece of information. Jackie Mason, when Rabbi Avi was learning in Kailo, in Brisk, Jackie used to pay for his Kailo check. Jackie kept him in Kailo going for almost close to nine years. Wow. This is a wow. story. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, Jackie Mason, I don't want to use all the crude language that he used later on in life. But I think his name was Yaakov Moshe. And supposedly there's an article in the Jewish press that someone just sent to me today. An article in the Jewish press by Rabbi Taub, who writes in Ami magazine, is a rub in Queens today. He's been a rub in Buffalo, New York, Rabbi Taub. And he, it seems, interviewed Jackie Mason not so long ago. And he's got some fascinating stories. And one of the stories is, Jackie had high, very high regard for Rav Moshe. Very high regard for Rav Moshe. He wrote that he was just a great, great... Besides being great, he was an honor and he loved people. And he says over there in the interview that Reb David, Reb David Zetzal was his very close friend. And Reb David, till the last years, would call him every, every few months. Reb David would get on the phone to call Jackie. Now, you can't judge a book by its cover. Jackie Mason has a schuss that he supported a Kola younger man. Today is a Rosh Hashiva. And we see Mika Amcha Yisrael Goyachad Baritz. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Just amazing. So that's a little bit some of the musings that we had. When I was up north, I went away for a few days. The Rebetzin was in America for list a few weeks. She ended up being in America. And uh, for two weeks, she ended up being there at the time of the Levaya and the Shiva and the, and the the family and everything else. I was up north. The thing broke out. I was ready on a vacation up north. I was in a simmer in Rosh Pina. And every day I would get up 6.15 to learn, diving at 7 o'clock in the local shul there in Rosh Pina, which is not considered necessarily a religious community, but they have a, a Datigar in over there. And for Ben Azmanim, you know, the Galil is just packed. So they had Minyanim 7, uh, 6, 7, and 8 o'clock. And you had to wear masks and shuls. And every day I would daven early, and then I would quickly go and get something to eat from the local Makolot, and then I would travel up to the to the Banyas and to Tel Dan to see the beauty of Eretzol, to go to very early in the morning, 
and go for hikes. And then I would come back and Baruch Hashem, I had a swimming pool in the Zimmer. It was great, a private Zimmer. And then I would go for Mincha Mairev. I went to Moron, to Kevrib Shimon. Uh, Shimon just packed, the place was hopping, hopping. I'm telling you guys, Josh, it was why the place was hopping. And um, ended up in Tras at Medinari Yaakov Talmud. Avi Aronson, who today is a big, a big shaykhit. Uh, and Ben Azmanim, Ben Azmanim and people are going around to Kvarim. And it's not the same. You go to your, your Shalim, is quiet. It's quiet. It used to be like, you know, places packed with tourists. Unfortunately, the tourists aren't coming in. And it's a little reminder, really, what's happening. And supposedly next week, they say they're changing the rules now that they're calling the, the United States is going into the red zone. You guys have been put into the red zone, uh, which means that people that come from the United States, even if they're citizens, have to go into quarantine for seven days, isolation, because they're trying to knock down the numbers. No one knows, Rabbi, so what the Rabbanism has in store. What the Rabbanism has in store. And uh, we have Nisiones. We have tests. The Gavaldi Gavard, I want to say over from the Chafetz Chaim. Chafetz Chaim says in the Pasuk, in this week's parish, it speaks about the false prophet. The Yokum, the Kirbacha Novi, or Chaylem, and he says a prophecy, and he says, I say he produces miracles. All of a sudden, he takes a mountain out of the earth and he raises it up like a, like one of these Lahabda movies. And it's, the, the, the mountain's moving. He changes around the astrology, the stars, the moon. He can change. She says, and he says, oh, you look at me. Look what I can do. And therefore, what should you do? Follow me. And I'm worshiping idols. You should also worship idols. So Allah is, you're not allowed to listen to him. Don't listen to him. So the Chafetz Chaim, everyone speaks about the Shaila. How could it be that a Kodesh Baruch gives a Kayach to a Navi or a Chaylem to do something which is so beyond nature, changing around the rules of nature? Like, what's going on around here? How could a Kodesh Baruch give this Kayach? The answer is, like the Pasuk says, that Kodesh Baruch wants to see if our Amuna, if our faith is truly true. It's in the Nisayan. It's a test. And really, this is really the answer to almost everything in life. I was learning with one of the Machan Shlomo boys today. I learned with Bechavrusa. I showed him also in the Yabiruchim. Says the same thing. You know, our problem is that when we first have an issue in life, our first question is we try to wrap our heads around it. And we try to come up with some sort of meaning that we can somehow deal with. You know, when tragedies happen, we cry, we, you know, we want to get, we want to get answers. You know, why did it happen? You know, we, we try to break it down. We want to get down to the scientific facts. We think that we truly understand everything. And our first approach is not the proper approach, which is, hey, if something happens out of the ordinary, the first thing I have to say to myself is, God is testing my emuna. It's in the science. And how do I relate to this? How do I relate to test? Where is my true allegiance? Do I have true emuna in HaKadosh Baruch? And that's a very, very poignant question. Because if we really analyze ourselves and we're honest with ourselves, our emuna in HaKadosh Baruch needs 
tremendous amount of work. It doesn't come easy. When we're, all of a sudden, there's a flat tire in the car. Uh, go fix the flat tire. All of a sudden, the engine goes. Oh, we got to fix the engine. There's a there's a, an accident that has to, happens in the family. All of a sudden, we're running to the doctors, running to this. And then we start running. We start calling someone to go into Reb Chaim, right? <laughs> Get Binyamin Kirshten to go into Reb Chaim to ask for a brother. Hey, Reb Chaim was sending his messages all along. First, it was a flat tire. Then it was the engine. Then there was a little more tragedy closer to home. Akash was always testing us. Eremun and Akash And the, the truth is, we have, an, we have an avenue. The avenue is to turn to Hashem. To turn to Hashem. And I was thinking about this in Louisville. I saw something which I wrote last year, but it's not yet to the Pesach. I spoke about it last year. Why does the Pesach say Hayyayim? The truth is, the word Hayyayim is really the key password to everything that we have to do in our Avodah in life. We can't think about the past, and we can't necessarily think about the future. All we can think about is what do I have to do today? My role today, what can I do today? You know, we just finished, for those of us who are learning Dafi Yaimi, we finished the first parak of Sukkah. Give Aldik, starting Lulav Agazel. We were learning about Isaac B'mitzvah, Patim Mitzvah. And I was thinking to myself, I went on vacation. Every day I made sure to learn, to get the daft done. Sometimes it was hard, sometimes it wasn't easy. But you know what? You got to get the daft done. Every day you got to daven. Every day you got to try to learn a few psukim and chumash. Every day you should try to say some tilim. Something that we could do today. And our problem is, that we don't necessarily realize all those little things that we do do, HaKadosh Baruch Hu places tremendous amount of significance. And when we do daven, we do answer Amen, and we do make a bracha, ah, the Rabbanu Hashem is so happy with us, because he says, there's no one like us. The rest of the world, what are they interested in? The Olympics. Okay? Some guy won, or some girl won, by 0.01 second over the other girl or the other guy. And everyone's going crazy over them. And all of a sudden, now the news thing in the Olympics is, hey, these people are human. All of a sudden, these people have mental health issues. Yeah, they always had mental health issues. Now people are becoming open and honest about it. Where was it all these years? Everyone was hiding it behind a facade. And now, all of a sudden, it's being revealed. Now we're human too. And the, pr- the problem is that when people only put the emphasis on the physical and not the spiritual, it's, it's a lot harder to deal with life. But when you have a spiritual connection to the Rabbani Shalom, that makes it a lot easier. doesn't mean that mental health issues can all be resolved, as Libby knows very, very well, just by having a moon in HaKadosh Baruch Sometimes mental health issues need medicine. They need therapy. But if we realize it's HaKadosh Baruch that's with us, makes it a lot easier. Uh, but I said, this is really what it's all about. One tefillah for one chayla. I want to tell you, I was, I was, said over. I told my grandchildren this story. Last Arab Shabbos, I had the bris. So I, um, so it's, it's an interesting story. I had the bris and I, I had, I had a sore throat. I was on that vacation. I came back. I was very hoarse. I'm still hoarse, but I don't know if you heard my, my devoutural this week. I really, really was hoarse. So I went to the bris. I could barely croak out the bracha. I had to give the name of the baby. 
And then Avi, there was only 10 people that stayed for the Suda. And Reb Avi, Hashem, from him, gave me the thing. And then he, he spoke, he had a great Russia. And I said, Avi, you want me to speak? He said, yeah, Rabbi, I really want to speak. So I got up to speak and I said over a story, great story. Maybe I'll mention it in a second, but I want to bring out what, um, what I wanted to get to. Was like this. So anyway, so after the Suda, I was driving back to Harnov and I was going to go away for Shabbos to my grandchildren. And I said to myself, you know what? I have to go get from one of my grandchildren to pick up a, a present, a birthday present. And I couldn't find a toy store that was open. So I went into Harnov on Rechov Chaitai. There used to be a store called Efronit. Efronit was on the other edge of Chaitai. It used to sell like um, writing paper and, um, and pens and paper. And they had toys there. Now, the truth is, I forgot that the place closed down two years ago. I thought it was still open. But there's a Makolet there. I went into Makolet. So I found a few. They had like a few tchotchkes I could get for the grandson. And I got a few things. I don't know if you guys know, there's a game called Chamesh Avanim. It's the biggest Israeli game. All the kids used to play Chamesh Avanim. It's like five metal cubes, and the kids play it. They lift, they throw it up, and they catch it. Like, anyway, it's all good. And I got these presents. Then I was driving, and you got to hear this, Josh. I'm driving on Rechov Chai Tide, and all of a sudden, you know what? I really got to get something to eat because I don't have anything in the house. I, think, what am I? I said, I'll go into J2 Pizza. I'll go into Jerusalem 2 Pizza on Chai Tide. And I'll get some pizza. Now, truth, I didn't realize at the time, I'm flashing. I need the flashings in the morning. <laughs> I didn't eat the pizza. I'll tell you what happened. And I go into J2 Pizza, and all of a sudden, Josh, you remember the owner of J2 Pizza? Do you remember him, the Svartic guy from, there was yeah. a Svartic guy, right, from Flatbush? Yeah. All of a sudden, he sees me, he says, Rabbi Liv! Get <laughs> a big hug. And he's still there, and he's running the store. I never, I, there's a few pizza stores. I haven't gone to J2 in many, many, many years. And all of a sudden I popped in. We were only two, we started schmoozing about Ner Yaakov and I showed him a picture of the bris. I said, this is Ner Yaakov guy. <laughs> and he started telling me, he said, unbelievable thing. He said, Rabbi Liff, you should know. I said, how's your family? He said, I have grandchildren, all my, we live here. He says, you know, I was offered to go back. He was, he had gone back to America. And then he had offered to have a job by one of his uncles, take over his uncle's business. Like one of these guys from Deal, New Jersey. I, he had a big high-riser apartment building in Manhattan. He would have made a million dollars a year, he would have made. But he said, you know what? I said, I, I don't want my kids to get caught up in, the, in, the, in the, the race over here. And he says, my kids are all in Israel. I already have grandchildren. Everyone's from. And we just gave each other just a big hug. So that's okay. It was just a great moment just to be able to see each other. And then I drive out. And all of a sudden, as I'm driving up, remember that hill? As you're driving, it's a very steep hill. All of a sudden, I see there's a lady. She's going with a buggy, and she's carrying bags, and she's like an older woman. So I just said, you know, this lady, it was very hot. So I stopped the car. The truth, I, I had already gone past her because I, where I was, I had to turn around. I came back. I said, listen, can I? Nihalazor. Says, no, no, no. I said, no, come. I have the car. I can just drive. She was going to the last house on Chaitai before the, before the 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 the, the forest. So I put everything inside the car and she didn't, she said, no, I'm not going to come in the car. And, you know, he's a religious lady, but she's just going to, she's going to continue to walk. And I drove everything. And then what I did was, I told it to my grandchildren, there's a little like a Yerida of steps that's go down like a flight and a half into the building. Took all the things, I brought it down stairs, put it into the, next to the elevator. And she was so thankful. So I said to myself, there's no question in my mind, this lady's a Chashva lady. 
And the reason why I ended up getting the, the kugelach and the pizza, the pizza store, was able to, to help her to be able to walk. Rabbi Sai, one mitzvah, just one little mitzvah. What, what was it? It was no big deal. Take a lady in a car, take some packages, bring it down, be nice to another person. That's what the Rabbanu wants to see. He only wants the simple things from us. That's really what he wants from us. And if we're just cognizant of the fact we look out for those things, then there's nothing like the Jewish people. Rabbi said, there's nothing, there's nothing like us. Now, why is HaKadosh Baruch Hu giving us all of these different things? Corona, still continuing. We can't get rid of it. We can't get rid of it. And we think that it's, we're going to stop it with this, with that. Rabbi said, Rabbi is being Manasa us. He's testing us. That's what this parish is all about. He's being Manasa us. He's testing us. What, are we still going to have the same faith with HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Or are we going to follow follow after the false idols? We're going to follow after the false idols. We're going to follow after the Olympics. We're going to follow after the the world is crazy. The fires, the floods, the amount of people that are that are sick, and people are still crazy about the Olympics. I'm not telling you to stop the Olympics overnight. Okay, all I'm telling you is one thing: got to recognize. Hayyim, what are you going to do today? You're going to do a mitzvah. You can help another yid. You're going to continue to daven, going to continue to be a mensch, going to continue to, to say, hey, what am I here in this world for? What can I accomplish that will make the world a really better place? That's what the Rabbi Nishon wants from us. Rabbi, so these are some of the thoughts that I had. Little Ben is my name, Elo. is about to start up. What can we do? Elo's going to come. Everyone, you know, the old days used to say, when Elo, when they would say on Shabbos, Mavarch, and Elo, the ladies were crying in the shul. They say that the fish in the, in the rivers would be crying. You know what I mean? Today, <laughs> no one's crying. No one's doing nothing. Yeah, is there a kiddush to shop? Is there some good Glen Livet to get, get drink about? That's what's, that's what's happening. But you know what? Elo is an amazing thing. I saw this, saw this Misa. I said it was Misa last year. It's great Misa. That there was a, a, a bacha that learned in a very chashi yeshiva in Eretzusho many, many years ago. And he learned in Panovich. And for some reason, it was going back many, many years ago, in the early years of Panovich. And uh, he just didn't feel it. He didn't feel it. He wanted to leave. He didn't have any friends. And um, his Rosh Hashiva, Rip Shmuel Rizovsky, found out about it. And Rip Shmuel wrote him a letter. And in the letter he wrote this, he says, listen, just I'm not telling you what you, what you should do or not. I just want to tell you one thing. Whenever you need something, whenever you have a question, whenever you want something, I'm always available for you. I'm always going to be here for you. That's all he said. I'm always here for you. And he says, that helped that person through life. He always knew that his Rosh Hashiva cared about him, that someone cared about him. Not only Rosh Hashiva, sometimes not the Rosh could be just a good friend. One friend that's going to... And that letter, he said, that letter was a letter that kept him through life. So I, so I said over a tremendous insight, the Rebunish, what's Elul? Elul is a letter from Hashem. Hashem is sending us a letter. He said, I'm always with you. I'm always with you. No matter where you are, no matter what's going on, no matter when life is tough, no matter what this is, I'm here for you. I'm with you. I'm telling you right now, Rabbi Said, the Rabbi Shem is watching over us. As difficult as life is, with all the tragedies of life, with all the, the travesties of life, with all the craziness, you see the world, you see the way politicians, the way they really are immoral beings, you see the way 
Lahavdu Elif Alfi Avdolis, Reb Yaakov Kamenetsky, Reb Moshe Feinstein, Yibol Chaim Tov Maruch, and Reb Chaim Kanievsky. There's a picture today in the paper. Chaim, he's in his he's, he's in his nineties. He learns They had a, a gathering in the largest stadium in Tel Aviv, which is usually for the Maccabi Tel Aviv, and they had th- ten thousand Yiddish kinder who finished learning. I think. Para and Bechayrus, like difficult Mishnahis, Mishachtas, that most adults haven't finished. And Yerpchayim went to give COVID, to give honor to these people, and to give to give impetus that this is really what's important. Rabbi said, when we have such people, so we have to say, hey, I can't necessarily be like Yerpchayim, but at least I can take a lesson from Yerpchayim, a little slice of life. That's what the month of El is. So I want to give a bracha to everybody. Wishing everybody, number one, a great, great Shabbos, Mavarchim, Shabbos, Parshas, Re'eh. And we should realize that Kodesh Baruch Hu loves us. Kodesh Baruch Hu is with us. The summer is ending. Elo's coming. And you should know one thing. Kodesh Baruch Hu is the greatest, and we are the greatest nation. And he gave us the greatest present, which is the Torah. Wishing everyone Hatzlacha, Rechol Tuv. No matter how much money you make in this country, there's a government here. I don't know if you heard about it. They keep in touch with me. I don't know why. Sometimes I think they depend on me for a living. I told them, don't bother me. I need you. I'll call you. It takes a lot of knife to follow me around wherever I go to ask for money. How does it look? It's enough already. They have a lot of knife. I say that publicly. Don't get nervous. It's not that I don't love my country. In my country, I would give my life. But my money. Let's be honest about it. When I was starving, you think they sent me money? For years, I was starving. Starving. Didn't even send me a card. How do I feel? <laughs> you know, maybe I need a couple of dollars. Couldn't care less. As soon as they found out I'm making money, they became a partner. <laughs> I won't hate me if they asked me once. A country could be in trouble once. This is the third year in a row. I told them, I gave already. Yes, somebody else. <laughs> Sooner or later, you got to learn to stand on your own two feet. I told them. I said, what are you going to do when I'm gone? You're going to close up the country? <laughs> country in the history of the world they should come to me for help how does it look you know what the budget in this country was last year mister the budget last year was 187 billion dollars you know what i gave them 12 dollars now do you think without my 12 dollars they couldn't get a log i told them first spend 187 billion then if you're 12 dollars short i'll help you thank you for listening to this foundation's podcast production if you like today's episode don't forget to subscribe and leave a comment thank you and have a wonderful day